0: lot of things going on yesterday and I've asked uh, Randa to come and tell us all about the Easter egg hunt.
1: You still might find some eggs out there and candy so if you're hungry after church you can head on out to the cemetery you might find some but do you guys know that we serve a great big God? We um and I might get a little emotional here because we do. Um, so we've had the Easter egg hunt here since I was a kid, since Dan was a kid, since Karen was a kid, so basically the beginning of time, um, so it's a big tradition here and last year we were sad that we couldn't have it, but we knew God had bigger plans and he had big plans for this year's hunt. Um, so being in charge of things, I kind of get numbers, numbers are my thing, so I I looked last week, we had five children signed up, and they were all from our church, and that made me very sad, Um, but God did big things. He brought 105 people into our sanctuary yesterday, and um, since I do a lot of the children's things, I I get familiar with names of families that attend regularly um, to our events, but don't necessarily come to church here. Of those names. We had about 50 families um, sign up. I knew maybe 10 of the names. So he showed up in a big way and brought at least 40 families that I I don't know, that I don't know if they go to church. A lot of them, I would guess, don't. I know some of them that came yesterday don't come to church, Any, don't have a church home. And we were able to show them Jesus' love, share with them the gospel, share and share some candy with them. So I really want to thank um, Kathy May, who kind of spearheaded it, Patty and Karen Warren, who are always so generous in their giving and organization of everything. And then everybody that showed up to volunteer, um, to stuff the eggs, to hide the eggs, to throw out the candy, to greet people. Um, Just thank you, thank you, thank you, church family, uh, for your generosity and being willing to be here for our community so um just thank you and we look forward to another great easter egg hunt next year so
0: <laughs> amen and we're going to follow up on all those families too and invite them to come again and continue to be faithful and sharing the gospel with them one more thing to be excited about and thankful for and seeing god's blessing it it may not uh be as big a deal as having uh, all these hundred, these hundred people. How many kids actually do you think there is? About uh, a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, All right. But uh, one thing we can celebrate today is that our church had a goal of uh, fifteen hundred dollars to raise for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And I've been told in the bulletin, you can see that so far you have given $2,036.23. So that's more than $500 over our goal. And we're excited that we can do this because the Annie Armstrong Easter offering goes to help people all over North America hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's an exciting thing to do as well. Now, if you, let's say amen. Clap. All right. Thank you for your gift. If you haven't given a gift to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and you would like to, we'll be happy to take it because we thank God that we can as a church in this way have a national impact. Uh, in the Christmas season when we take up our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we have an international impact. But in the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, we're able to make a difference in our nation uh, in North America, which is the United States and Canada. So we're thankful for that. We thank you for giving, and God bless you for doing that. Now, let's take our Bibles, the Bibles that you bring every Sunday morning to church, and turn to Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have one, we have some pew Bibles. We'll be happy uh, to you can get those out of the pew. And uh, we actually noted that we have accumulated a number of Bibles down near the church office outside in that hallway. So if you don't have a Bible, please stop by and pick one up. If you think you forgot your Bible at one point in time, that may be where it is. So you can get your Bible. I do know of, of an individual who would leave his Bible at church every Sunday on the pew so that he wouldn't forget to bring it but I don't want you to do that. I want you to take it home and read it. But if you need one, we'll get you one. So don't be shy and just ask and we'll make sure you do that. Matthew chapter 28 speaks about the resurrection. The text of Matthew contains a brief description after the first visit of the disciples to the empty tomb, where they experience an angel of the Lord descending from heaven and rolling back the stone that sealed the chamber. The angel, this angel, then delivered the first news of the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to read uh, verses uh, 1 through, I initially said 8, but we'll just go down all the way to 10. So let's read that. You follow along as I read. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid. Because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. And may God bless the reading of his word. Let's have a moment of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you for the word that you've given to us in the scriptures that tells us about the first revelation of the resurrection of Jesus to the women who came to the tomb. Help us, Father, to understand the message of the resurrection and even more than that, the deeper meaning of the resurrection for us today that we might be faithful in telling others the good news with fear and joy that Jesus is risen and what that means for us today and what that implies for the world and that we can tell people that he is not here, he is risen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, the very first telling of this account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, comes in Matthew chapter 28, and there's really two parts to it. There's a discussion or a telling of the miracle of what happened, and then after that, it talks about the very important message or deeper meaning of the resurrection. And we think about the resurrection often as a historical event. It was a miracle. It did happen. There's enough Uh, circumstantial evidence to prove in a court of law that Jesus was raised from the dead, but it was a great miracle that God broke into our natural world and created and brought Jesus back to life. He was raised from the dead. And this was prophesied, as we read in the uh, text from Peter's sermon, prophesied from the very beginning that God would not let his Holy One decay. And that's an important prophecy to understand. But it's not a one-off event. It just isn't something that happened years and years and years ago. And it's just part that we study in a history book or somewhere. And we say, oh, that's nice, okay. And we go on. There is a deeper meaning to the resurrection. A very powerful meaning to the resurrection. And that deeper meaning is something that we need to study and understand. So the purpose that we're going to have this teaching here is to try and see what the significance of this message given to the angels, to the women, what the significance of this message is as it applies to us today, our current walk. So we're gonna try and be faithful to the scriptures, exalt Jesus, and then, as I always say, make application. So the deeper meaning has to do with the significance of the resurrection so first of all, let's take a look at the resurrection miracle in verses uh, 1 through 4. The resurrection miracle tells us that they laid him in the tomb, and on the Sabbath, uh, as the first, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, these women went to the tomb, and they found an angel there in a violent earthquake. You know, the miracle, and, and the tomb that had been sealed and had been guarded by guards, was now open. The stone was too big for the, the women to do it, and they met an angel, and they were very much afraid. But the angel had a message for them, and the angel began to give them that message as they got to the tomb. The miracle happened, and we need to be able to share this. This is one thing that the world is afraid of, that the miracle did happen. So they try and downplay it. This was God's doing from the very beginning of time. He intended to bring his son, Jesus, to the cross and allow him to die for our sins and then raise him from the dead because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And he gave us the opportunity to be forgiven, to become part of God's family. And it's so exciting to say he is risen, he's not here. But that's the miracle. That's important, and we need to be able to share that with people. It's a miracle that has a lasting influence and impact because it's not just for the the ladies and the first disciples. We'll find out that it's also for us as we ponder and look through the actual message and deeper meaning of the resurrection. So number two, we come to the next point, which is that... the the message or the resurrection concerns the crucified. And here the angel begins to lay out an argument for us step by step from verse five to eight of the different deeper points or deeper meaning of the resurrection for us. And the first point is that the resurrection concerns the crucified. The angel said to the women in verse five, Don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus, the crucified one or the one who was crucified. Now it's important for us to understand that the angel recognizes that Jesus was crucified and the deeper meaning of the resurrection also impels us to understand that he was crucified. There are people who say that he ate a mushroom and he swooned and they thought he was dead and then he just woke up, you know? And there are people that, that say, no, he, he, he was crucified. They'll admit that, but they'll say, as the Pharisees said, there that his followers broke into the tomb, picked him up and carried him away, and then pretended to say that he would have been raised from the dead. But the true matter-of-fact evidence is that he was crucified. He died. And he died, and this is the important thing, in a very painful and very serious way. He didn't just die of an illness or old age. He died by being executed on a cross. The crucifixion refers to the method of death of the punishment, capital punishment placed there by the Romans. This was a method that started by the Neo-Assyrians years before. They would take a post and chop it down to a point and then get it right up underneath your ribcage and hang you there, impale you. The Romans said, oh, that's a pretty good way of doing it, and they did it sometimes, but then they invented a more painful, more terrible and terrifying way of killing their enemies, those who were criminal, those that they passed the death sentence for. Instead of impaling them, because they tended to die quickly, they nailed the hands to a side beam, a horizontal beam, put the spikes through this part. Sometimes we think maybe they they put it through here. We don't have the best evidence. And then they took the feet and and they put the feet together and and nailed the spike right through the, the bottom, just above the ankle. Because we do, we found um, a tomb that had um, a skeleton in it and the skeletons or the part of the feet had had the nail going through there. And, And they did that because they didn't want the individual so treated to die quickly. They wanted them to be in excruciating pain and see the suffering and the horrifying results of what took place by hanging them on the cross. Later they went through and uh, they would uh, break the legs of the individuals when they were ready to have them die after putting them up on the cross as a symbol, as an icon for people to walk by and see what the Roman Empire does to its enemies. They would break the legs so that the body would sag and the lungs would give out. In the case of Jesus, they also took a spear and stuck it in his side. And we're told that blood and water came out. Look, this wasn't a cakewalk. This wasn't just a nice afternoon in the park. You need to know that the resurrection message concerns a horrifying, terrible death of a human, a man who was also God on the cross, and he did that not just because he was guilty, according to the human people. I mean, he he wasn't guilty at all. We know he was innocent, and we know that he could have called 10,000 angels, as the song says, to take him off that cross. His sole purpose in being obedient to God was to allow God's plan to go forward. And that meant that Jesus had to be crucified. In the garden, he prayed to God, not my will, but thine be done. He wanted God to take away this, but he accepted it and he was obedient to the cross. Do you understand he was crucified, he was obedient and he did it for a purpose. It wasn't because he was caught by the Romans and incorrectly charged with being a rebel and treasonous, and then killed. It wasn't plan B. It was plan A all along, that Jesus would die on the cross, that he would be crucified. When we stop and think about this, as far as the deeper meaning is concerned, it should give us pause to think what that meant, because we're going to find out that he did it for us. The next point, number three, is that the resurrection concerns the Christ. In verse 6, the angel says simply, He is not here, he has risen. And it's a very short little statement. Not here he is, he's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he, he lay. Now the key phrase here is just as he said. Right? Well gosh, Jesus, if you knew you were going to be crucified, why didn't you run the other way? You know, take a fast train out of Jerusalem. Hightail it back up to Galilee where the Roman soldiers didn't bother to go so much. But Jesus knew and Jesus told them. I want to show another passage to you where this happens. This is the third time. If you turn back in Matthew... Back to verse, chapter 20 and verse 17. This is actually the third time in Matthew that Jesus said this to his disciples. And it's important to understand that it concerned the Messiah or the Christ. So let's read this in verse 17 of chapter 20 of Matthew, just a couple of chapters back. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, See? This is, this is the, the third prediction right before he gets to Jerusalem. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will condemn Jesus to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles, i.e. the Romans, to be mocked, flogged, you know, beaten, and crucified. Jesus didn't just say they were going to kill him. Jesus said they were going to crucify him. And listen to what he said there. And on the third day, he will be raised. See, Jesus knew this because Jesus was the Christ, i.e., the Messiah. And the Old Testament predicted exactly what God was going to do through the Messiah. The Messiah was to be beaten and mocked and flogged and crucified, pierced for our transgressions, not for his own, but for ours. And that was what the Messiah was supposed to do. It wasn't a plan just out of, oh, let's do this because this is what happened, out of a crisis situation. It was God's plan A from the very beginning when he knew that Adam and Eve would sin in the garden. God knew that his perfect son, sinless son, would have to pay the penalty for our sins and hang on that cross the crucifixion. See, the crucifixion, the cross, was for the lowest and basest of all the criminals. It was the worst way that anybody could die. Being condemned to death by crucifixion was a terrible, terrible thing to happen to our Savior, to our Jesus. But he knew that that would happen. And he told his disciples, not once, not twice, but three times, on their way to Jerusalem. And the angel is saying, just as he said, because Jesus knew that he had been called to be the Messiah and that this was God's plan. This is interesting for us because sometimes we think, oh, the Romans did it, oh, the Jews gave him over. But if God hadn't approved of it, if God hadn't allowed it to be, it wouldn't have happened, but it happened for a purpose. And that purpose is the deeper meaning of the resurrection. The next point is that the resurrection concerns a challenge. And this is where the deeper meaning of the resurrection begins to show itself. We know that Jesus was raised from the dead. We know that he was crucified before he was raised from the dead. We know that he was the Messiah or the Christ, and it was in God's eternal and divine plan for Jesus to do that. Now, once God raised Jesus from the dead, So what? What happens? Well, this is where the deeper meaning of the resurrection comes in. So in verse 7, we read the following. Then go, and this is the angel again, telling the disciples, the women. He says, then go quickly. Not saunter, not take your time. (laughs) Go quickly and tell his disciples. What are they to tell him? He has risen from the dead. And indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there. Listen, I have told you. This is what's interesting. The angel gives them a challenge. They don't stop and have a worship service right there at the empty tomb. I've been in in Israel to one of the places that they consider to be like the tomb of Jesus. And it's a wonderful thing to have a worship service there. But the angel wasn't saying, let's stop and have a sacrifice and a worship service. Maybe I'll take up the offering or something. They didn't do that. The the angel gave them a challenge. And that challenge was simply to go and tell. Not only just go, but to go quickly and tell. And we're told (laughs) the interesting thing, that they ran to do that. But the challenge was to go And tell. Resurrection faith is a faith of telling. They are to tell what happened. He is risen from the dead. They are to tell what will happen. He will meet them in Galilee. And they were to remind them of the promise. Jesus said in the Great Commission later that I will be with you always. The promise is that you will see him. That's the challenge to tell what happened. Jesus died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. Tell what will happen. They were to go meet him in Galilee and the promise was you will see him. So the question really hangs at the balance at that moment, what would they do? They're afraid, they're terrified, they're seeing this great mighty angel. The earthquake had happened, the stone had been rolled away. The appearance of the angel's like lightning and his clothes are all white. What are they gonna do, shake in their boots? Are they gonna follow the, the, the uh, command of, of the uh, angel? What would they do? Sometimes we live apathetic lives and we don't follow the challenge of God on our hearts and our lives. To share the good news, to share the fact that he is risen, to go and tell others. Doing that means that we would be in a way apostolic. We're messengers sent. And when we go and tell others that's a victorious life that we can live by sharing the hope that lies within us, that Jesus saved us and that we will see him. He will be with us. And one day in the glorious time, we'll get to heaven and we'll be there praising the lamb and sharing with each other that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him on the third day for us. The resurrection message finally concerns a consecration. And this is where the deeper meaning of the resurrection tends to be shown. The resurrection in verse 8 concerns a challenge and a fulfillment of that challenge. In verse 8, we find that they departed quickly. So, it says, departing quickly from the tomb with, look, with fear. Yes, they were afraid. But also with great joy. They were afraid, yet filled with joy. Fear of God and his mighty power and his mighty work, but joy, a joy that they would see their resurrected Savior, Jesus. And the angel, or Matthew tells us, that after the angel said to go quickly, they did it. It says they ran to tell his disciples the news. They ran. Wow, they ran. They gave themselves to do it. They took up the challenge. They believed they were consecrated, called, told by the angel to go tell them. And they did it. They ran. (laughs) They weren't concerned with how it would affect their business. They ran, they didn't consider their lumbago or their gout. They ran, they weren't concerned with how they looked. They had on the right clothes. They ran. They weren't concerned with what people would say. They ran to fulfill what the angel asked them to do, to tell the disciples. In fact, they ran to share the ultimate good news. He is alive. He has risen. He is risen. Can you imagine when they got there shaking the disciples? Here's what we heard. Here's what we saw, he's not there. The angel said, he's risen and he's going to go meet us. We need to go to Galilee and we'll see him there. There's the promise. And that's what they did. And that's what the deeper meaning for us is. That the resurrection is not something we just say is a nice thing and we put it in our heart. It's such a life-changing event for us that our call is to take up the challenge of the angel who first said to those disciples, go and tell, and we go and tell the world that we have a risen Savior who loved us so much that he died on the cross to save us from our sins. How can we do anything less? How could we do? We sit there and do nothing. I asked myself the question, what would I have done? I guess I would have been afraid, but I hope that I would have hightailed it to the Galilee to see Jesus, to share with others. So the deeper meaning of the resurrection comes to us by asking the question, what would we have done? What would you have done if you heard that very first testimony from that angel that Jesus was not there, the crucified had arisen. Certainly telling others is something that we get scared about. There's fear. Will they like me? Will they receive this message? What will they think about me? But there's also great joy because we have found, if you would call it this, the pearl of great price. We have found the treasure of the ages, a savior, a God who cared so much for us that he was willing to undergo this terrible treatment. And then knowing that God would raise him again. When we tell people the message of the resurrection, we gain the deeper meaning that the resurrection isn't just for those disciples and it wasn't just an event that took place years and years ago, but it was an event that was foretold by the prophets, ordained by God to change the world, to change all of eternity that our Savior had died on the cross. And by that death and by God's resurrection paid the penalty for all our sins and opens up the opportunity for us to live in the family of God with such a sweet Savior, such a wonderful Lord, such a wonderful teacher who is teaching us how to live life and how to have that hope and that glory that comes from a God whose mercy gave us Jesus. And we can give God honor and we can exalt Jesus Christ. And the application is the deeper meaning is that it is for us. Not just something we learn about as if it's ancient history, but it's actually for us today, here and now. We can share with people, he's risen. We don't serve a dead guy. We serve a risen savior. And that risen Savior calls us because we have received the good news. Listen, God Almighty, the creator of the world, loved us so much, he he made us in his image. And when we sinned against him, he made it possible for us to be forgiven. Though we did not deserve it. We were able to be forgiven through Jesus. And it's a challenge to tell others because it's something to be believed. You know all kinds of people out there. They want to see a sign or they want to show the proof. But it's a miracle. It's what God did for us. And the challenge is for us to share that miracle. I believe Jesus is risen. I understand that he died on the cross for my sins. I've asked him to forgive me and to Jesus to come into my life so I can live with him, learning And growing in the power of the Holy Spirit to be a faithful disciple so that the rest of the world can hear me say He is alive. He has risen. He has risen indeed. And that's the deeper meaning. That is powerful, but it's personal. It's something that we can tell the whole world happened, but it has an impact on our life. Deep impact. Because we don't just go blindly along in life we go through life with jesus with the holy spirit with god who has saved us and we want other people to know that the prince of peace can give real peace see our lives are broken we're struggling left up to our own it's difficult to live this own life but jesus is there to guide and direct us and help us he's the prince of peace And God gave him on the cross to die for our sins. If you're going to go to to Easter Sunday services or you're going to talk about the resurrection, it's not something that's just out there. Let's talk about it as something that's in here that's personal. Jesus died for us. Well, What does that mean? Well, maybe we're struggling with faith today. Maybe we haven't quite put our eyes on Jesus. We've looked at the things in the world and the problems and the difficulties we face. And Easter, beyond all other times, is a good time to remember that Jesus did this for us and he's alive. He's risen. He's leading us. He wants to help us. He wants to guide us through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're faithful servants of Jesus, then we get connected to him. We study his word. We learn what he would say and what he wants us to do and we begin to serve him, and that's a joy. Sure, it's scary, because you've got to give up your numero uno position and make him number one. It's difficult to do because God wants help us to grow. All the different things we've experienced in life may or may not been things that were good, but he's teaching us how to be overcomers, how to grow and how to give him honor and glory by being faithful, by running, by being obedient, by telling others that he's alive. And we know he's alive because he interacts in our life all the time and helps us to grow. And the fact is that all of the world needs to know this too. Because just as we are broken, others are broken, and they need to hear the good mess, the good news of Jesus Christ. They need to hear how Jesus died on the cross and God raised him on the third day for them as well. And that's the deeper meaning. Perhaps you need to rededicate your life to Christ on this Easter Sunday morning to say to him, yes, I know that you're the King of Kings and I need to make you my master and my Lord. And, And right now, and it's no better time than on Easter Sunday morning, I'm going to take up the challenge of the angel and tell people of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe we need to do that. But maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe there's a need to know him. Maybe you think God is just some guy out there sitting in a rocking chair watching us. and has nothing to do with our lives. Or he's some kind of supreme being. But if he was such a supreme being and a guy just sitting out there in the rocking chair, don't you think he'd want to get to know us if he created us? That's exactly what the Bible tells us. And we believe that the Bible is God's word to us to reveal why he made us and what he did to save us when we sinned, when we didn't follow his image. And that's an exciting thing to do, to come to know the Jesus of the Bible, to come to know the Jesus, our Savior, and to have him live in our hearts, in our lives, dedicating our hearts to him. Because one day, if we look at the back of the Bible, end in the book of Revelation, Jesus wins, and we go to be with him. And sure is sweet to get started right now. You don't have to wait. Maybe you need to come to know Christ and we'd love to share with you what the good news is all about if you don't know Christ. After the service is over, we'll be happy to take you in privacy of another room so you don't have to do anything. We're not gonna make you sign over your house to us or anything else. We just want you to see what the Bible says about knowing Jesus and then give you a chance to be challenged by Jesus Christ. Is he God's son? Did he die on the cross? Did God raise him on the third day? He can be your savior and he can be your Lord. Maybe you're looking for a church home and as we receive church members in our church, we invite you if God is calling you to join with us so together we can take that challenge and we can tell others about Jesus. We're going to have a hymn and I'm inviting our musicians up here now, King of Kings. We're going to make this a hymn of invitation I'll be down here at the front if you want to come and meet me here, whatever God might be leading you to do. Come and be baptized or come and join the church or just ask the question what it means to know Jesus. We'll be happy to share that with you. You come during this time or after the service is over, but let's all sing this song with dedication in our hearts to the crucified whom God raised to be our Savior and Lord. Let's stand as we sing.